If you like this podcast, check out Studio Red's amazing lineup of podcasts at StudioRedMedia.com. Welcome to QT with RT. I'm Todd. And I'm Ryan. And today we're talking about our experience making running at full speed. So this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I figured uh, if we're going to do it, why not do it on the podcast? Why not? Then we can listen to it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, you can. I'll never. But you listen. never listen to them. I know. I'm. I'm the number it's my, one. It's my voice. I just don't. It's like the. My no, voice. I'm the number one fan of this podcast, <laughs> and you are the number one hater. I don't hate it. You I just, troll us. I hate a half of our podcast. <laughs> Me. <laughs> you get on there and you're like, I don't know who these guys think they are, but I would want to spend quality I'm time the one with trolling them. every day. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> um. So, uh, anybody who's been listening to this knows that we made a documentary about our friend Drew mm-hmm. running the AT, trying to break the speed record of the Appalachian Trail to raise money for an orphanage in Uganda that him and his wife and son went and lived at and worked at. Uh, we won't go too much into what the actual documentary was because you can watch it if you want yeah. to, or you can listen to older episodes. And I mean, we'll talk you, about you it. explain what I just did explain about. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, one thing I always wanted to do in a, and this is something I learned from college where a lot of the different groups I was a part of after we would do something, some kind of event or act, or, you know, project or whatever, you'd always review it afterwards. And you kind of talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of like what you learned from it, what you would do differently next time, you know, cause to a certain degree, if you don't do that and you just move on immediately to the next thing, you sort of miss out on the whole point of doing something, which mm-hmm. is to gain experience. And a lot of times talking about it afterwards, like solidifies those ideas and those, those experience kind of those, the, insp- uh, those light bulb moments that you have on a project, almost like talking about it with the people that you did the project with are, is how you sort of make that like a concrete foundational thing that you then use moving forward. So, um, now that we're pretty much done, we're working on the Blu-rays right now yeah. and trying to get those out before Christmas so any of our Indiegogo supporters, I know what you're thinking, but we haven't forgotten about you. <laughs> we regularly think about you and how we still owe you a DVD, now a Blu-ray. Yeah. I was actually looking at a bunch of people that supported it. Most of them signed up. Nobody signed up actually for a Blu-ray. They all signed up for DVDs, yeah. A, because they were cheaper, but at back in the day- this is how long ago we started yeah. working on this movie. <laughs> DVDs were totally fine. Yeah. And now nobody would be okay with the DVD. So you guys, everybody who signed up for a DVD just got upgraded okay. to a Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that's your condolence prize yeah. for waiting for like five years to get your movie. But um, nonetheless, we're in the- we're in The, the home stretch. The home stretch. Yeah. Um, and so no better time than now while it's still sort of fresh on our minds, but also far enough removed that we can like actually like clearly look at it and hopefully be more honest Yeah, in our experience and what we learn and what we um, learn too late yeah. and all that good stuff. Yeah, this is like our swan song of, of the Blu-ray. Like we are like, this is really the closing of the door. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk We're more about it. Slamming it shut. <laughs> but like, I mean, like. Yes. N- Production-wise, there's nothing more to do other right. than burn them. Yep, yep. And I'd like to get it up on Amazon. So those are the two things. Yeah, yeah. so we're in distribution stage at this mm-hmm. point, making it available to the public. And at that point, we are finished. Finished. So, uh, yeah, so now is the perfect time to talk about it. And I figured if you and I, I'm sure we'll learn something from it as we talk about it. 
But if we can learn something from it, maybe other people can too, and it can be helpful for other people um, who are going to go make a documentary about a guy running through the woods. Yeah. Very specific. Yeah. I mean, those get made all the Actually, those do get made all the time now. <laughs> when we started, nobody was making them. Now there's a no, ton of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, really just like we're just going to have some quality time to talk about it. Yeah. Well, what's the first thing you want to talk about? Um. I really like as far as like um I, I just kinda more wanna just open it up to me and you just kinda talking about it like we would if we were sitting at the lunch table talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um about some stuff that, well, why don't we start with like the things that we learned about ourselves as filmmakers mm-hmm. through the process. So the I'll say the very first thing that I remember about running at full speed was the day you picked me up and we started driving and you were like pack up this camera, we're gonna interview this guy. Now on the way over, we said, "This guy's this guy's name is Drew. He's gonna run the AT, and we're gonna make a documentary about him." And like that was it, and it was just like, on the way, on the way. And his house isn't that far away. It wasn't like we <laughs> so sat down, had a meeting. This was fully Ryan being like, "This is happening." So what? Did, what? Did, what did, so what did you learn from? How's that come back? To uh, just um, how green I was back then. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just the total. Like, okay, yeah, sure. And then um, as we progress through the year of filming him training and then actually going on the trail, I feel like there was a growth there. And then when we were on the trail, it was like Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, Um, and we came back different. So what I learned was to make something good is really, really hard. Yeah. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is filmmaking. You learn the hard way. Before then, we were doing, like, company videos or little tiny things we'd never done, a full feature-length documentary that took us two and a half months. Yeah. Um, being away from everyone we knew. Um, I think you paid me at the beginning, and then I just lived off of that paycheck, essentially. Yeah, well, so I paid. You might uh, pay me twice. Or? I paid everybody there, like you, Ross, Stephanie. I think that was the only people that were on there from our side of things. Yeah. Um, you guys all gave me like your like bare minimum expenses. Yeah. Like, hey, if you provide my food and lodging while we're gone, then like this is like my phone bill, my rent, my yeah. whatever. And so I paid everybody's like. Yeah. Minimum. So you came back at exactly. You lost. You didn't lose any money. Yeah. But you didn't make any money. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, like sending Mark the check and stuff like that yeah. for rent. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but I, I, there's little things I just think about, like uh, wanting pizza really badly and just being like, all right, don't have a lot of money, but I'm going to spend this on pizza because yeah. I really want pizza. <laughs> like it was up in Maine, and, I was, and it was really good pizza, a little fire oven pizza. But it's just little things like that, uh, really being grateful for, for the little things. But – um. yeah it was just hard and then learning that like as the more you did it the easier it got I mean kind of like yeah, it's hard your body's destroyed after working out the first time and then the more you do it you get better and better Yeah. and so now when we go on to the thing I will always hold from the trail is the fact that like nothing will be as hard as the trail was I really don't think so. Anything in life, like, 
as long as we are getting paid for it or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like, well, be, be careful what you say. You might have used true. to say that before you went on the trail. That's true. Um, but I think, yeah, I feel like definitely that that's a very valuable lesson to have learned. And I mean, I, I definitely learned that as well. Like the, um, the greenness of like not knowing yeah. what we were actually signing ourselves up for or not knowing what I signed ourselves up for. Um, and everybody else agreed to, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think actually like Ross who had had more experience working on movies had a better idea. And he was definitely like throwing out, telling us, beforehand yeah. like are you sure you sure yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah like, uh, and it'll be like it's fine i'll be fine i'll be fine and and i think saying it'll be fine and it actually being fine are not the same thing no um you can say that all day long but like you know if something's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard yeah um i do somewhat though will say that i i miss that greenness and this yeah. is something we were talking about yesterday when i told you this is what i wanted to talk about on the podcast um, I miss that naiveness, yeah. that ignorance. Ignorance is bliss sometimes in the fact that like, I don't know if we would have ever done that if we had known how hard it was going to be. Yeah. And yet we did do it and it was like, uh, it's hard to just say it was a blanketly good experience because there were bad stuff that happened as well as good stuff. But it was a, um, it was a, an experience we needed to do mm-hmm. and needed to have and needed to ha- you know go and make and and it's still something I'm like super proud of that we did that and yeah. then we made the movie. So and you know it's had the movie's had some success not as much as I wanted to but it's had some success at one in a film festival, you know it's it's been able to give us a lot of experience and I don't think we would have been the company that we are today if we hadn't made that movie. Yeah. Um so sometimes I miss actually that naiveness of being like Let's go make a feature film. Yeah. When like none of us know what that really means, and yeah. then we realize after the fact, oh man, we bit off way more than we can chew. Um, yeah, it would be fun to like go back now with the experience we've had and the even the knowledge and the equipment we have now and redo that. Yeah. You know, like I think we would a it would I would have filmed it better. You know, now than then. Um, knowledgeable about the fact that we're we had a plan where you were going to drop us off at different spots and we were going to film and then you're going to come back and pick us up not realizing how fast drew is yeah and how like you are just constantly trying to catch up with him yeah which is insane when you right. have a vehicle you would think but you have to drive all the way back in there i mean just the wildness of the at yeah you think of a trail in america you think there's going to be access to, yeah, you think of a park. Yeah, you think of a park, you think of paved roads or something. It's a bare minimum gravel roads. But, yeah. I mean, we were driving down AT, the, you know, all-terrain yeah. vehicle, like four-wheeler only right. pass. Yeah. So I think um, having, just knowing that, like, whatever you embark on, one of the things to learn is, like, it's going to be way more expensive than you think it is. Yeah. It's going to be way more time-consuming than you think it is. And ultimately, might not be the type of rewarding you think it is going to be. Yeah, and the conditions are probably going to be worse than right. you think it's going to be. And also, a documentary. So we're talking about documentaries here specifically. Um, it's not going to turn out the way you think it is. You yeah. know, the story is going to be different because it's a documentary. It's evolving. Yeah, unless you're telling a story that's already happened. Exactly. If you're telling a story that's happening in the present and you're capturing it, you really have no idea what's going to happen or yeah. not. Yeah, I I wish that I had um, 
one thing I learned for sure was in filming a documentary and really any movie, but I think definitely a documentary is that like you never know what footage is going to be the most important. Yeah. And I wish we had like that training footage and like his initial year, first year of like where he quit his job and he was just training and trying to get ready for the trail. I wish we had captured way more footage during that time period. Interesting. Because the footage that we have, it constantly was a problem in editing that we only like captured him like two or three times. Mm. And then like none of it is really that, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just like, it's not the right footage. Yeah. Um, And then we got a bunch of like B-roll of him running, but like you really can't tell what that is or where he is or why he's running. I mean, you just, he's training. Yeah. Cool. But that's like just random B-roll for like a 30 second montage of him running. Well, we needed to set up the whole movie, why he was doing it, what he was going to deal with, what he was going to have to overcome. And, like, we didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. And we ended up having to go and film stuff after the fact to try to, like, fill in those gaps. And still, like, the weakest part of our movie is, like, the setup. Yeah. Um, That's, like, that first, like, 25, 30 minutes of the movie. If you can get through that, it's almost like the rest of the movie's downhill. Yeah. But that first 20 to 30 minutes is kind of hard to watch. Just because it's like, what is going on? Yeah. Why should I care? Yeah. And I didn't. I don't think I realized at the time how important that first act would be. I mean, I should because when you say it that way, it's the first act of the movie. Yeah. Everybody knows that that's important. Who has ever read a screenwriting book? But I guess like with documentaries and everything, I just assumed like him on the trail is what was going to be important. Yeah. But in reality, like what happens in that initial twenty minutes is what makes him on the trail important. Yeah. Um, well, and we were also filming with the idea that he was going, like, that he was ready, prepared. That he was going to beat it. And that he was going to beat it. Yeah. And everything went wrong. The fact that right. he'd only trained on, like, the Georgia Mountains, which are notoriously the easiest out of the whole trail. You know, like, he only had trained on the easier yeah. parts. And so the fact that he physically wasn't ready... um, mentally wasn't ready yeah i mean that was one of the things i told him at the beginning i said i hear it's mostly mental and he just laughed at me and yeah. so i think but that's also as a filmmaker was important for us to realize yeah it's mental for us as well yeah i mean sure it's physical but man like the day in and day out of like just filming sitting in the car was so mentally like yeah destructive and so um yeah i i it, a lot more it's hard because you do need like pre-production for your documentary but once again it's a documentary so you don't know how the whole story can go out. right but i guess i mean we we had control of setting it up at least. yeah we could have set it up yeah. better yeah and i think you know with the documentary but even to a certain degree like some of the short films that we've done you know like like just the other night i was talking to you about doing some reshoots for a short that we did and it's because we didn't get all the footage we needed. Yeah. And and that's a common thing in movies that people don't, you know, like you get in editing and you're like, oh, we really need this or this or yeah. this. And then they go back and reshoot stuff. Most studios will have actors contracted for reshoots yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And it, yeah. And it makes sense uh, that that's there. But it's not, especially on the independent side of things, it's not always possible or feasible. Yeah. And, and it's definitely not ideal. Like yeah. it's obviously way better to get the footage when everybody's there the first time. Yeah. And just get it done, knock it out, and do it right. And I think that's again like that balance of like not overshooting, but knowing when you don't have enough 
you know, because it's like I think you have this idea of what the movie is going to be and how it's going to be put together, and then you get into editing and you realize that doesn't work, but we don't have any footage to actually do it the way that we now see it needs to be done. Yeah. And so it's like being on set and like not being so sold to your idea of how it's going to be that you don't then like create some like buffer yeah in case you're wrong yeah because you probably are <laughs> and it's not yeah. like any, it doesn't mean you're a bad filmmaker it doesn't mean you're a bad storyteller it doesn't mean you're a bad director or cinematographer or editor or whatever you know i i think it's just more like you just don't know you yeah. know there's only so far that our creativity can take us in imagining the final product yeah um so I think that's definitely something that I learned in that process yeah. was like, man, I wish there was certain times that I had chosen to put more priority yeah. and sacrifice more of my personal time or money or whatever to capture better content um, during certain stages of his project. Yeah, You know, like him driving up there. Now, granted, I wouldn't have thought that his car was going to break down. So that's one of yeah. those that like, how would I have known that? Yeah. But if I had known that I wouldn't have just sent one person, I would yeah. have had all three of us up there yeah. trailing along with him, capturing it as we go. You know, I, I would say this. I, I really felt like I personally was not ready to make a documentary until like, I mean, you could see it in the movie where my video skills are like much better there towards the end. Yeah, I feel like halfway through the movie we figure out how to make yeah, a documentary. Exactly. Um and, and, and I feel like you can even tell and and yeah. and in the editing I feel like all of a sudden the movie just picks up and I think that's not because Jeff all of a sudden made a better movie halfway through who's our editor. I think it's because he finally had enough material yeah. to edit what he the way he needed to edit. Yeah, yeah and the the funny thing is like the start of the video really feels almost like a corporate video. Yeah. And, like, that's how we shot. Like, right. that's just what all we knew. And the fact that, like, we lived for, like, two months kind of in the wild and we were messy and then yeah. our video became more messy. But that's, like, what documentaries are. They're kind of messy. You know, yeah. there's there's elements of, like, beauty, but even, like, uh, Seth Table or these little mini documentaries – there's still like an element of like chaos. You know, that's the whole point is they're finding beauty in like the chaos. Right. They're well, finding. they're really like in the moment. Right. Exactly. Versus like through a window looking at it. Yes. And so we definitely, like you said, halfway through the movie, you do feel like, oh, okay. Yeah. They broke the layer of like Drew being on this other side. Yeah. We were almost filming him through a glass and now we were with him. And, yeah. Totally. Um, he was engaging with the cameras. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'd say that is something I kept my boundaries a lot at the more beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had been like more up in his face and asked him questions like we were later because we got more of the real him yeah. and got to capture some of those moments. You know, in the movie, there's he hurts him or he has to come off the trail because his vehicles are breaking down his his support vehicles because uh, he's trying to break the supported speed record. And him and his wife go into the hotel room like they're staying in a hotel because their RVs broke. And he goes in to like shower and talk to her and we don't talk to him for like an hour yeah. until after the fact. I now wish that I had gone right in there with him yeah. and captured that moment. Because yeah. to be honest, that's the moment people want to see. Exactly. Super it, vulnerable. Super yeah. And if we had written the movie mm -hmm. and it was a fictional movie, you definitely would be in yeah. there in that moment. Yeah. Um, that's and, like the pivotal like first like the hero's journey, you know, yeah. where he, he doubts himself. So Right. And I mean, and we did capture a version of that. It just wasn't as good as it could be because it's like the after effects. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I, 
because of doing a lot of corporate video stuff back in the day, I do feel like we did a good job recreating the stuff that we weren't able to be privy to. Yeah. Um, like that exact same example. Like I feel like we were able to kind of create that tension yeah. after the fact, after he had showered, after he had talked to Amy. Um, but it still would have been better to catch it in the moment. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we had not realized the, uh, ABR always be recording, you know, type rule of documentaries, like the constant, I think we were still, especially me, I would do little clips at a time, you know, or something like that. We're really just huge chunks of recording. Yeah. And then that's what the editor's job is. Yeah. You know, exactly. You're, you don't want to cut up the deer after you've hunted, bring the whole deer and the butcher can do something with it. Which I remember, you know, that was something that I would have to keep reminding you of i remember mm-hmm. at the beginning being like dude you're not editing this yeah because i think you were thinking like an editor being like i wouldn't want to look through all this footage and yep. i'm like well you're not yeah so don't worry about it yeah. and you're like yeah but i feel bad for whoever is and i'm like that's his problem yeah not yours yeah well and as an editor now like i appreciate the longer stuff more yeah because yeah i mean you can little find clips, something yeah if, if i don't know how to f- edit how the way they film right i'm not gonna use it so right yeah um I think uh, on the other side of things, I think with our gear, it was okay. Um, And we didn't have the money for better gear anyways. But I think if I could go back, I would have shot it with different gear. Yeah. Um, Especially now knowing what we ended up, um, how we ended up filming it, like that we weren't like hiking for two hours with the gear in a backpack. I think I was trying to get smaller stuff in case we were like backpacking a lot. But I mean, it would have been amazing to have shot this on like some reds or something like that to where... Especially like longevity wise, it would have held up longer. Yeah, five D is yeah not great. Yeah, I mean, and they did okay, but it's just like the, I think we could have captured a lot better images. Yeah, um, if we had been able to do that, and I think I would have probably. Oh man, man, it's so hard. All right. I I keep thinking how wet and gross and just trying to find a dry spot to like dump the cards and you know like it was there was still an element as much as we weren't hiking there's still an element of like it was the weather could be yeah i mean i definitely wouldn't have bought a camera i would have rented one (laughs) um but uh but yeah i just i think i think as much as gearheads always say like oh i want to shoot this on alexa or i want to do that and you're like do you really need to yeah um I do think there's some element to where, like, no, if you're going to make, like, a feature-length something, you ought to get, like, the best piece of gear you can yeah. get, yeah. you know? And and we were at that time. That was the best that we had. But, like, looking back, like, that's definitely something I learned, like, moving forward. Yeah. I would try to get the best piece of gear yeah. I can get. Yeah. And especially knowing that, like, I was, like, at that time the 5D was okay, but five years later when we were actually taking it around to film festivals, nobody's using the 5D. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, we're competing against films that you know have been shot over the last year or two and they are shot on a red yeah because now reds are cheaper and everybody can afford them so i think that's definitely something um, yeah i mean our aerial footage our, that drone we had was garbage yeah you know like and i mean it's it looks okay but it's just like compared to what they have now yeah it's just night and day which yeah and at that time i mean you barely there really wasn't a lot of other options no but i mean there's definitely um nonetheless it it points out that like get the best you can get yeah Yeah, i mean i was watching the netflix 
essentially the their planet, you know, our planet yeah. or whatever. Uh, and the drone guys were using our drone that we have now. Oh, interesting. But the camera was like the new the one, new the X one or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just our exact same one. And they were landing on a boat, and yeah. I was like, "We've done that." So it's yeah. just like these guys are getting paid probably tons of money from Netflix to. Film, yeah. something that we yeah Netflix do. we're available <laughs> we will do whatever you want us we'll to do, do it cheaper than those guys <laughs> um uh I think other things here's some other stuff that I feel like stuff we learned yeah just be more knowledgeable about where the locations you're gonna be filming I mean obviously we didn't have in our budget to like go up and right scan the AT but you and I had never been on the AT <laughs> yeah so. It's just, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think pre-production, we could have done an enormously more in pre-production. Yeah. 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 And like and like you're saying, like text location scouting kind of, or even like if we had hiked for a week with backpacks on just to get yeah. an experience. I mean, I had never been on the AT pretty much ever. Right. Until we went and filmed the AT. I don't think I had even heard of it until you mentioned it. Yeah. And now it's like all I know. But um, also, we were focused so much on the hiking side of things. That I think we kind of forgot a little bit about the, like the human aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and that's where like the setting up would have been yeah. really good. Um, I mean, at that point, Uganda. Really, when we were on the AT, we didn't really think about Uganda that much. I don't think, did we? I know there's a couple times Drew was like, "I'm thinking about the kids, you know, for the kids and all." So. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a little bit, not a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like, and I think some of that is like. And that's maybe something that also to be learned from it actually is that like you can get hyper focused on like what you're doing that day. Yeah. You kind of forget the big picture. <coughs> so I think that's something to remember because it's like once it became pretty clear that he wasn't going to break the record, which was only like two weeks into the filming yeah. him, um, then it was like, oh crap, what's this movie going to be about? Yeah. And it was like, well, I always wanted to end it in Africa. I think this is going to be more about Africa then. And, um, so like Helen would like write him notes to remind him about uh like put notes in his lunch because he like that's what Amy does for him and so she was trying to encourage him and help him you know get a little encouragement throughout the day and she would put stuff in there about Africa. I would try to like casually bring it up anytime I could. Um just to, like help him remember that it was about Africa. But I think still when we're in that moment and it's Tuesday or it's Wednesday and he still has to go four more days of running or three more days of running like we were all just focused on like hey try to get 50 miles today yeah yeah you know so we can all go home sooner yeah you know and i think that it became more about that and less about like the bigger story mm-hmm. um and i could see that being the case with any movie that you make you know you're focused on that scene or that moment or we got to get this before the sun goes down that you kind of forget like all of this that we're doing today has to serve the bigger story yeah and if we're not serving the bigger story it doesn't matter if we make our day yeah that was actually something that the Duplass brothers talked about. They made, they got some project where they made like $250,000 off of filming and editing this thing from their house and some technology company or whatever like paid them to make an industrial video and they took all the money and they went and made a movie and they were like, we were the best, we were the filmmakers that every like first AD ever would dream of. He's like, we always made our day. We were super polite. We like the crew loved us. Everything went great. And he's like, but the movie sucked. <laughs> he's like, we got into editing and we never even finished editing it because it was just like, it was horrible. Wow. It was like, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. 
the stuff didn't work. The scenes didn't work. Like it just was like, it was bad. And they're like, and that's when we realized like there's a difference between being like a technically good filmmaker and like making your day and getting all your shots on your shot list and being a good filmmaker. Yeah. And they're like, and so that's when we started being like, you know what, let's just grab a camera and our friends and just go out and shoot some stuff and make things and like focus on the story and not care if it, we make our day or if we have the perfect lighting or, you know, this yeah. or that. And they're like, we're just, all we're going to worry about is making sure that the story's good. Yeah. And I mean, you can see that they've obviously had huge success. Yeah. So, um, I think that's a good point. Um, I also think, uh, like crew wise, um, I wish we had had more people. Yeah. Um, now it would have been a issue on our specific project because like we were already like six adults in this pop-up camper that was made for like two adults and two kids. Yeah. But, um, ideally it would have been great to have had more people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was such a huge endeavor in the sense of everyone had their goal and everyone had to be doing something just to like survive. Like, and so having more people logistically could be kind of a nightmare, but also more manpower. Yeah. I mean, uh, the quality of shots wouldn't go down. You know, that's the reality is we're filming every single day. We're just being worn out, you know? So like the quality, you're just not going to get the shots that you need to get because mentally and physically you're just destroyed. Well, and just even having like one person from a technical standpoint that was there to like dump cards and like charge batteries and and backup hard drives and all that kind of stuff, like almost like kind of like the the gear person at camp Mm -hmm. as well as kind of like a DIT type person. Like just that alone would have taken off an enormous amount of work on my plate and your plate of like, hey, here's the stuff, and then they just deal with it. Also, um, we were... Make sure your subject matter is fully prepared. Because, like, you see the people who have beat the record, and they have crews, and they have runners that, you know, keep pace pace runners, I think. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, And just things like that where it's like if you're going to – it takes takes a team. And so if we could have just focused on the film, we wouldn't have been spread so thin, I think, because we were thinking about taking care of – I mean, really – Every day, the most important thing was making sure Drew was alive. Yeah. I would say. Um, that was the thing we stressed most about. That It wasn't about, like, how are we going to tell the story. It was really about, like, how are we going to get to Drew. Yeah. And, um, Which, in this situation, I think it worked out well because if we hadn't done that, yeah. then we wouldn't have gotten the footage that we ended up getting. Yeah, but true. I think moving forward, yeah, yeah. for sure. I think I – th- I think – being able to have enough people there for the whole project to where you're the people who are whatever for each crew member, whatever they're doing, they're like, they're being best utilized in that role. Yeah. You know? And it's like the director of the movie doesn't need to be going and picking up the actor from their house. Like get a PA exactly. to drive the actors around. Well, another thing would have been nice if uh, we did have someone back in base or someone who knew like editing or good filmmaking. Yeah. Could have been looking over the film footage. Yeah. I think you may have done that a couple times where we looked, like maybe at the end of the week we'd look over the footage. You would look over the footage. Well, I started doing it like halfway through the trip. Right. Um, uh, because we had a hard drive that crashed on yeah. us and it wasn't backed up, yeah. you know, and that was super stressful. Uh, and so 
Um, and luckily we were able to fix it and get it all worked out. But, um, yeah, so then I started being like, okay, I need to back up this footage at night. Um, and then I think because I was doing that, then you guys would go out in the morning without me, but then I wasn't out there filming, Yeah, you know? So it's just like, we were spread too thin. Yeah. Um, in a way that like an independent filming, like you always have to kind of do that, but ideally like find somebody, you know, that can do it. Yeah. Um, and train them, even if they're like, you know, college student, you know, or whatever. Yeah, because you also, I mean, something was always breaking down. Yeah. With us, like something was always going wrong, and the fact that you had to take care of that as well as direct the movie, you know. Yeah. Like it, it really was just too. You were just spread too thin, and so, um, yeah, it's just it's. Those are once again logistical things that goes back to things we learned. Yeah. That like if you're gonna make something, just assume that everything's gonna go wrong. Yeah, and that's funny. I would when we'd go around to film festivals, I would, I would, I would think to myself, oh man, we have the earlier film festivals I went to. Oh man, we have the best like, you won't believe what happened stories. Yeah. And so I'd tell them, and then people would start telling me their stories. <laughs> yeah. And they're not making documentaries. They're yeah. making a short or yeah. they're making a feature or whatever. And I'd be like, their stories are just as bad as ours, if not worse. Yeah. You know, like our main investor, she died a week before we started filming and we lost all of our funding because our kids didn't want to fund the movie anymore. And I was like, what? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, we already had like the actor like in town. We had all this stuff ready to go. People were set. And it was like, you know, this $300,000 movie and our main investor died and now they're not investing in the movie anymore. And I'm like, Oh, what would you do? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's so much worse yeah. than our car broke down yeah. on the AT, you know? Yeah. And I was like, so I feel like it really is. And I think, I think that's probably one of the biggest things I learned. And this is probably where Ross, our producer, like already knew this and was trying to tell us and we just didn't get it. And sometimes you just have to learn things the hard way, but the logistics of making a movie is what makes making a movie hard. Yeah. The, the storytelling, the filming, the editing, that part's fun. Yeah. Um, and to a certain degree, like you can figure it out while you're there and yeah. make it work. Um, and even if you don't do it perfectly, you can still find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. It's the logistics. It's the parking. It's where are people going to go to the bathroom. It's there's construction on the road and people can't make it on time. It's the actor getting sick. It's the weather. It's the, you know, it's all these things, yeah. you know, the camera, somebody backed over the camera and the closest rental house is four hours away. And now we can't film today. Yeah. You know, it's all those little things I feel like that um, end up making it uh, the challenge that it is. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 flawed as humans, and uh, things break, and that's just the reality. Well, and we live in a um, a broken world yeah, exactly. too, so it's like it's not even always people. I mean, I felt like yeah. we as a group were actually pretty good. Yeah, people. I yeah. mean, like we all got along. We all had good attitudes yeah. for the most part. I mean, we had our days, but yeah, overall, the, flawed not in the sense of like. A, we're evil or anything, but flat in the sense of we forget things. You know, yeah. we uh, don't have a card in or something. You know, we don't click the record button. Though. Yeah. So um, yeah, I but, think of the Revenant. I mean, think about how many, was the crew quit like six times or yeah. something like that? So, and that's a big budget movie, and people aren't talking really about it at all anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, it's really interesting. No matter if you are an Oscar-winning director, I mean, Francis... Ford Coppola throughout all his Oscars when he was making uh, <laughs> he was making Apocalypse Now from The Godfather because he says if I can't make Apocalypse Now then I don't deserve to have these Oscars and we're like you're right 
Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I, and I, uh, I do think there is still a difference though between like the people just being forgetful or that kind of stuff right. to like, um, oh, we forgot to tell you there was an air show this weekend at yeah. the location you're planning on filming at, and there's people breaking the sound wave, you know, over top of your head the entire time you're filming this emotional scene where this mom just lost her kid or something. And you're like, are you kidding me? Or the biggest- uh, Road race. Road race, exactly. Yeah, once a year. Drew needs to make the most miles on this day. And yeah, and it year. happens to fall on the yeah. one day that we're there. Yeah. Like literally, we're not gonna be there tomorrow. We weren't there yesterday. It's happening today. Yeah. And yeah, and it's that kind of stuff that I've heard everybody say everywhere. And it's like, and it's, that kind of stuff that's like beyond like human control. Yeah. You know, it's beyond your your control as a producer or director or cinematographer or whatever. You know, it's like, it's that kind of stuff that I feel like I learned that is like your biggest hurdle yeah. in making a movie. Um, so kind of from the story side of things, uh, more on the creative side, um, in editing it, uh, I did realize uh, going through the editing with Jeff, like how important actually is like your stereotypical Hollywood three act structure. Mm -hmm. Um, and like a lot of people either love the three act structure and they live and die by it. Other people like kind of like to hate on it and say like, Oh, that's a bunch of crap. Nobody does that. Um, but like that idea of like this very clear beginning, middle and end, this rising tension and conflict, um, you know, within this, um, sort of uh, ending that gives you sort of this emotional release that, you know, you've been building all throughout the film or the story, whether it's a book or a play or whatever. Um, and I, that was something that I was like, yep, this is a real thing. Yeah. You know, and, I, and not that like I wasn't trying to do that, but I also wasn't really thinking about it very often. And no, so, we were legitimately being like throughout the whole process while the story is being told. God yeah. will, God will find out. Yeah, well, hey, this is a great story. Yeah. There's conflict. Yeah, a con story is conflict. Conflict yeah. is story. We got plenty of conflict. Yeah. Let's just keep filming. And then after the fact, it was like, oh yeah, this has to be like put together. Yeah. into conflict that makes sense and tells a story, and that like conflict that builds on itself. And and um, and I also learned too that like you can't in that there's a reason why that kind of like structure exists because there's also like moments of um, like we talk about all the time with uh, um, the, the, that movies are like symphonies where you have the yeah. rising tension and then, the, you know, the, the building, building, and then a little bit off and then building, building, building and a little bit off. You know, it's like also realizing that like the first draft was just like constant conflict. And like people were just exhausted by the end of the yeah. movie. And so also like realizing like there need to be some wins, there need to be some laughs, there need to be some lighthearted moments, there need to be some times for people to kind of breathe and feel like there was a mild success. You know, and, and like that hero's journey that people talk about all the time of like somebody taking their their belief system and it and it being encountered with an anti-belief that they have to then deal with and struggle with and work through. And in the end, they end up developing a new belief system that is more evolved and better than the old belief system is like that still needed to be in the documentary. Yeah. Even though it's a real story about a real person and it doesn't feel like that's how life actually works. It does work that way and people need that and want that. And that was something I'm like, if I went back and filmed it again, I would definitely go in with more of a mindset of like, what is the, like that belief system or that like thesis that drew has right now and what, 
do I predict or feel like might happen to him that will make him change that belief system to something else? Yeah. And how can I make sure I'm capturing that story? I feel like I'm more trying to capture the story of what Drew was, what was happening to Drew versus like what was going on inside of Drew. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, I think I also would, you don't realize how many times people use from other materials, you know, like there's always, like every person borrows from someone else. Right. Nothing's new under the sun. Exactly. And so I think we're like so consumed with like making something creative. I think I probably would have watched more documentaries or, you know, kind of gotten like grasp of like. What do people like? Yeah, exactly. What do people want? Like even try and find a good, like a really great documentary and then like a really bad documentary. Yeah. And see like the differences and be like, oh, here are the things that I would not do. Yeah. Because that was the thing. It's all our mistakes we did when we were filming. Not to say that you're not going to have mistakes in filming, but it's nice to have some experience from other people's right. mistakes yeah. before you go and make your own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure out your mistakes in pre-production. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think personally I had like an idea because I, I do like documentaries and so I had watched and that helped. But even now, I think filming-wise, I would have done a lot better like knowing what's interesting shot and, yeah um how to capture when to capture yeah um and just being aware of those things and um yeah just i mean there's so many times where i could have just been i was a part of crew and not capturing what was going on you know yeah so i think that's why i kind of should have been doing more is my goal when i had the camera in my hands was just to capture yeah and there was so many times where, like, we're all tired, and so the camera's off, and we're all just glad we survived that thing over there. Now yeah. realizing, whole two and a half months is the filming process, <laughs> right? And and especially with a documentary, yeah. Because I mean, it's especially like, you know, obviously with a narrative movie, like if the actors aren't on set, right. you're not filming, yeah. And it's okay if you're at the end of the day just having dinner with everybody and yeah. you don't need to be filming at that yeah. point but, uh, yeah. but with a documentary when you're in there living with them yeah. like it kind of like embedded with them yeah. you know you definitely want to be kind of capturing it throughout the whole time yeah. yeah and that's why i mean that's why i think it's okay to be a little more messy with your filming because you are just yeah you're you're there you're experiencing and yeah. that, that's the goal of the editor to take this wealth of footage that you're giving them um i mean we've Gave them a lot of stuff for right. sure, but eight hundred. I was looking at some old like Facebook like things, and it was like I shot eighty gigabytes this week, like so much, you know. Where now it's like a normal shoot would be over a terabyte or more, yeah. and so just realizing the scope of things, I had such a limited idea back yeah. then of like only doing what was necessary. Where like the whole point of documentary is. Um, mining from excess, I think. Yeah. And so I just was not in a place of, of excess. Yeah. Filming wise. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I just, that was some things I kind of kicked myself over thinking about of like, man, like how many things were set off camera conversations I had. I mean, there was a time where Drew and I, it was just him and I, and I did like an interview with him. But then, like, we went and got burger, and like, just filming that burger pray moment of him having like a. I think it was like one of the first times that we got to just like have a milkshake and a burger. Yeah, it was just 
a great moment. I'm, maybe that wouldn't have gotten the film, but you know. But we just, don't know. We don't know exactly, yeah. and so. And to be honest, like um, I think in some situations, I think to a certain degree the crew really shouldn't be making the editing choices. Yeah, like that's the editor's yes. job. Yes. And and like one like that's not their job. Yeah. Like you know, just like the editor shouldn't be telling the camera guy where to put the camera because it's like, hey, he's a specialist. Let him do his thing. You do your thing. You know. Um, but I also think. Um, it's like when you're in the moment, that's not the right time to decide what's good or bad. Yeah. You just need to like get it. Yeah. You know, and and let somebody who's removed from the situation decide, yeah, this stuff isn't worth it keeping, but this stuff is. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's a good one. Um I'm trying to think of some other so what would else other things that I would do differently or do differently on the next project? I think for me, like a lot of the stuff that I feel like I really learned was like the logistical challenges and like better appreciating that. That's like a big one for me, like <laughs> yeah. huge. huge. Um, and the money, like yeah. you said. Yeah. Like I always, I thought that the movie would only cost like 10 to $15,000 and ended up costing like 35. Yeah. So that was, yeah, huge yeah. difference, you know? And, and I think probably part of that was like, yeah, my numbers would have worked if it had gone perfectly. Yeah. But it didn't go perfectly. <laughs> so, and, it, and there's no way it will ever go perfectly. Yeah. So I actually kind of like, I sort of laugh now when people who want to do a short or whatever is like, I got 500 bucks. Me and my friends want to make a short. Will you help us with it? And I'm like, 500 bucks isn't going to even feed everybody. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to come to your shoot for free if yeah. you're not going to feed me. Yeah, exactly. And I mean like actual food. Yeah. Not like sandwiches your wife made. Yeah. Like I want an actual meal. Warm, warm cooked meal. Yeah, not yeah. old sandwiches I've been seeing in your car all day. Yeah. You know? And um, so I think that kind of stuff, like I have a much healthier appreciation for like what it takes yes. logistically and yes. financially to go make something yeah. good. And that, I think that brings us back to the green part of things where it's easy to become calloused, you know, where or uh, or uh, skeptical now because we have gone through the hard experience. So it's learning to set aside the callous and the skeptical side of us because we have this experience, but still grasping at opportunities when they arise. Yeah, you know, like we did when we were green. You know, yeah. it's it's the the equilibrium of both. Yeah, worlds. for sure. So yeah, I think yeah, there is an aspect where I miss being like, hey, let's just all make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and go film something this weekend. Yeah, um, because I do feel like there's still a place for that. Yeah. Um, but and then I think the other big stuff I really learned was related to story. Yeah. You know, it's just like going through the edit, going through the process of shooting it all, and then sitting with Jeff and trying to find a way to make the story work, and realizing like, ah, oh, this would be so much easier if I'd done this or if I'd done that. You know. And like, yeah, like I said, I, I really think I more tried to capture what was happening to Drew versus what was happening inside of Drew. Yeah. Um, and I think any movie you make, that's what we want to see, right? Yeah. I mean, even you look at like current example, the new Joker movie versus the Superman or Superman versus Batman. Like those are like things are happening to those characters mm -hmm. and we're just watching them deal with them. Versus like Joker is this like introspective character study of the character Joker. Mm. And it's making, it's about ready to make as much money as Infinity Wars did. Yeah. And it's like people are, and even if you think about the difference between Marvel and DC, again, it's like 
it's all more about like this like we're almost kind of like looking at them from through this like glass window versus like Marvel you feel like you're you know Captain America or you yeah. know Thor or you know you know uh Iron Man you know it's like you you see you feel like you're seeing more into them yeah and like you're seeing them how they're dealing with this these situ- I mean even the fact that like Iron Man's whole like arc was over all the different movies was the fact that he he had this fear of Thanos coming and destroying his world that he had decided he was going to protect and almost like I'll do anything to protect them. Yeah. To the point that he ends up dying. Yeah. And sacrificing his, you know, and it's like, and everybody then cries in the theaters because the filmmakers have like allowed us into his life. Like yeah. we're seeing like into his like heart uh, versus just, I didn't get excited when Superman came back from the dead <laughs> because I didn't have any like emotional connection to him. Yeah. Or you even know? like, I was just thinking of Batman versus Superman. Like, the difference between Batman and Captain America, like, we didn't really know much of, like, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. No. You know, like, there was, like, a couple moments where he's, like, in the grave and it's, like, that yeah. weird black goo yeah. and all that stuff. Movie's garbage. Anyways, and then, uh, but Captain America, we knew that, I mean, it was more simple, but it was better. It was easier yeah. to follow because it's like, oh, he's the guy that has always wanted to fight bullies essentially yeah but ultimate sacrifice not realizing that he was giving up his whole he was a ghost man essentially yeah like being stuck frozen in time the curse of not dying in that plane yeah because he was left left in this world where everyone he knew and loved was gone gone yeah yeah and and so i think that's a big thing and like throughout the whole editing it was always hard to actually show like almost like there was a lot of drafts of the film and even a lot of elements of the film currently where you could replace Drew with another person and it wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. And it's like you shouldn't be able to replace your main character <laughs> yeah. with another character and it not drastically change the movie. Yeah. And if you are making a movie where you can just swap out the main character for somebody else, then like you're not doing that character justice and you're not telling the story correctly. You're just telling us a sequence of events. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like it's almost like news at that point. Yeah. This thing happened to this person and then this happened and then this happened and then it ended like this. That's a great way to describe it. Because, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking of all the different documentaries and there are documentary where the director is narrating it or uh, dreams of, you know, sushi or he was dreams of sushi. Yeah. Um, and it's him essentially telling his story. And yeah. So it's it's always in these kind of someone's telling the story. Right. And the way we did it is we wanted to tell the story through the events, which is like one of the hardest ways of doing it. <laughs> I mean, really, because like the voiceover is like the classic cop out easy right. way yeah. to do things. Yeah. And so that was just interesting. Yeah. And so I feel like I just, we needed to have told more of like we were telling the story of a guy breaking a record. And yeah. I feel like we needed to have told more Drew's story. And I feel like that's actually like a really, like I think most people who aren't in the craft really wouldn't know the difference yeah. and wouldn't even know how to make the difference. Yeah, um, They'd be like, isn't that the same thing? You know, <laughs> but like, I think when you start doing it, you start realizing, oh, this is drastically different. Yeah. You know, like there is a difference between what we did and like what we should have done yeah and or what I should have done you know and as the director that was definitely my job and um i i and i guess i feel like we st- still the movie still struggles from that because i still regularly hear people say in their feedback like 
Uh, and we definitely heard it in earlier drafts. We don't hear it as much because we tried to do it. I think Jeff did a great job pulling as much heart into the movie yeah. as possible um, and like milked the footage for as much heart as possible. But I would regularly hear people say as we were going through drafts and getting feedback from people and, and you know, kind of like audience test screenings that they're like, I don't like I'm having a hard time caring about Drew. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't really care if he breaks the record or not. Yeah. You know, I don't really care what happens to him. I don't really care that his wife left. Like, like make me care about the main character. And I think you make people care about the main character by making it a story that only that character can kind of like be the hero of. Yeah. You know? Um and I think some of it actually helped when we transitioned and made the movie really about Africa. Yeah. Like once it went from this is no longer about the trail, this is really about a guy trying to go and you know, go to Africa, give his life to supporting and volunteering with these these um, orphans. You know, it's like once it became more about that, then yeah. I feel like the trail, it became less about the events of the trail and more about like his personal journey. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then it would be weird if you replaced it with Todd. Yeah. Because, or Lewis, because it's like, well, Lewis didn't go to Africa. Yeah. You know, now it's weird. Why yeah. is Lewis doing it? Yeah. What's Lewis's motivation, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just just the beginning call with him in Africa and then with the ending definitely tied it up and we had a good um cohesive and and more enjoyable movie overall, I think. Because, um, yeah, we we You also have to remember with like a documentary or even I guess not even a documentary, just like your own experience making a movie. Um, with anything you make your emotions and feelings are going to be so tied into it. And so I think our outlook, like it was good that we stepped away for a little bit. And even the fact that we allowed so much time to edit it and kind of almost have a second different opinion edit it. Um, because that movie would have been much more rough. I mean, like the first edit, you know, it was just unbearable. And we have to, you do have to have someone there that's like, no, this still needs to be entertaining. Yeah. Still needs to be like a good fun. Yeah, I still need to be able to laugh even exactly. if a bunch of stuff bad happens all exactly. the time. Exactly. And so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. At one point I told Jeff, I was like, listen, people are depressed yeah. from watching this movie. And one of the notes that I got back was like, you need to find anything where he's <laughs> smiling or laughing, even if it's during a sad part of the movie. Yeah. In reality, like even if he laughed at something else. Yeah. But you were still filming. Cut the audio and put it over top of this, just so that way, like, it doesn't feel such like a Debbie Downer. And um, that's what we did. And, yeah. and now, when I watch it and I see those scenes where I'm like, "This used to be him, like, looking really sad, staring off in the distance, and now he's laughing." Yeah. I'm like, man, this is so much better because it looks like a guy who's like overcoming something, mm-hmm. and with some lightheartedness. Yeah. You know, and and is like, "Hey, this was really bad, but I haven't given up yet." And he's now he's look at this yeah. guy. He's happy and laughing. You know. Um. So, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, so kind of overall thoughts to kind of wrap it up a little bit. Like we said, know, know your story, know what you want to say, and break it down. Like, don't just be like, oh, we're going to film a guy going to Africa. Like, break it down. What's the why? How, how do we show that why? You know, what's the three-story act or whatever? Um, make sure, once again, as everyone who listens to this podcast know. 
the story is the most important thing. The foundation. Everything else is built on that. So make sure you have that. So that's kind of what we learned was was knowing what yeah. we needed to yeah, do. Yeah, if you that. don't have a good story, there's really no point in yeah. doing it. Um, expect everything to go wrong. Expect it to be more expensive or harder yeah. or bigger than... Yeah, uh, to be honest, our documentary, <laughs> actually, like the message in the documentary... And what the things that Drew say throughout the movie are actually a great thing to watch yeah. if you're about ready to go make a movie. <laughs> yeah. Because his his experience mirrored our experience yeah. of everything he thought was going to happen for him didn't go the way he thought it did either. And everything broke and everything was harder. And I, I, I constantly think about it all the time when he says, you know, he's like, or some like three, four states out of the 13 that he goes through. And he's like, you know what I've realized? He's like, Instead of waking up every morning thinking today is going to be better than yesterday, just assume that today is going to be just as hard, if not worse, than yesterday. Yeah. And then if at the end of the day it was better, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And he's like, you know, because like, yeah, sure, like I'm out of the really tall peaks of Maine and New Hampshire, but now I am into the stony, jaggedy uh, rock parts of Pennsylvania. And then after that, I'm going to be in this. And it's like every stage has its hard parts. Yeah. And it's all hard. Yeah. It's constantly hard. Life is hard. Yeah. The, jer- the trail is hard. The mm-hmm. trail of life is hard. Filmmaking is hard. You know? So it's like, great. We got down, got done with that, those three night shoots on the film. And, oh, it's going to be so much better. No, it's not. Because <laughs> now you're going to be out in the hot sun and it's going to be sweating. Yeah. Or something else is going to happen. You yeah. know? So I think that's like a great thing to remember is that like, it's all going to be hard. Yeah. And if it ends up being randomly easier one day, great. Right. Well, and uh, it's all survivable. You know, we we were in some really hard situations, but like just like through sheer determination yeah. <laughs> and willpower, and the fact that God pulled through. Um, but I mean, you can. I think, I think you can do just about anything as long as you're willing to almost worry about uh, the finance, you know, kind of worry about yeah. all the hard stuff later. Yeah. Um, just really focus on getting that project finished and done. Yeah, and, well, and it's also like a short period of time. It felt really long when we were there. <laughs> so long. But like two and a half months, Yeah, like now when I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Two and a half months, two yeah. and a half months, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, that was definitely a huge thing we learned was like when you're on the other side, Nothing seems daunting, you know. We got into it because we didn't know what we were going to get into it. Once we were in it, it was like, this is a nightmare. But once we get to the other side, we go, oh, we can do this again. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, what's some – I know you're trying to wrap it up, but I have one other question because I feel like this is also be interesting. What did you learn personally as far as your career in filmmaking for your, like, personal stuff? And I'll go first to give you just kind of mm-hmm. an idea of what I mean by that question. One thing I realized was I'd been thinking a lot about different types of, um, one other thing I will say before that, the other thing I would do differently as I would try to figure out distribution Yeah. before I went and made a movie. Yeah. Uh, the idea of making something that and hoping somebody will want to watch it is a really bad idea, especially oh. if you're investing your own money or borrowing money or, or using money from people that you like. Yeah. If some random stranger wants to give you $10 million to go make a movie and doesn't care if they ever get it back, great, go make whatever you want. But if you're actually like trying to make money off of it or yeah. make money back to pay for it, um, don't be like, well, I hope somebody wants to distribute that because that's what I did, and that definitely has not worked. 
Um, so don't do that. Um, really, as much as like I love have tons of great ideas for movies, it's like I think whatever you make, because it does take a lot of work and does take a lot of time and it does take a lot of money, um, you should have a plan of how it's going to help you in your career and like push you to the next level or make you money. One of the two. If yeah. you're not, if it's not going to do that, then like pack write, it up, Go pack on. it up. Yeah. Put it in a screenplay, store it on your computer. Maybe one day you'll figure out a way to use it to do one of those two things, you know? Um, but personally, I think, um, I realized this movie was really niche. It's about an ultra runner. Not a lot of ultra runners in the world. Mm-hmm. It's about orphans in Africa. A lot of people do support orphans in Africa, but they like to they like to say they support orphans in Africa. But how many of them actually go to the African children's choir when they come into town, or how many of them actually donate? You know, it's like it's one of those things that like they want to see like a one minute YouTube video. Yeah, or they'll like a photo, yeah. or they'll give twenty bucks because they went to a concert and somebody was there from Compassion International. But they're not they're not really like how many people have actually traveled over to Uganda or Africa to help with orphans? How many people have really given consistently, you know, like I'm not saying that people don't, but not as many as you would think. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reality is there's still orphans in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's just, it speaks more than anything else. Um, And then it was Christian, which is just a hard, that obviously is a, a bigger niche, but it's a hard audience. Especially AT and Christian. Yeah. Yeah, and then the everyone AT. on the AT hates Christian. <laughs> right, and the AT is a weird niche, yeah. right? I mean, it's like this very and the AT hikers themselves are also like very particular about what they like and don't like. So it's just like you have like multiple picky audiences, yeah. not a lot of people. It's a very niche film, and then it's like a crossover film. So okay, the AT hikers might like it, but not. If, but some of them aren't going to want to watch about a pastor who's going to go be a missionary. Oh, the Christian people might like it, but they're not really into hiking or running. Oh, the runners might like it, but it's not enough about running and yeah. his diet and, you know, and his... I mean, that was a big thing on the trail. Remember that? How many people on the AT hated, like, ultra running? Like, fast people yeah. who were running the trail because that defeated the purpose of the trail? Yeah, yeah, in so, their opinion. And some of them didn't care. Right. To... The whole, the the trail, the guy who created it, well, it's his famous quote, to wander, to walk, you know, yeah. to see or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's like the whole point is not to go through it quickly, but right. to take to, your time. Take your time. Yeah. So that was hard. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely a group yeah. of people out there that would enjoy this movie. Um, but even if it was a 10 out of 10 Oscar winning level quality movie, a majority of the population wouldn't want to watch it because they're just not interested in it. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't fall into their interest. Um, and so one thing I learned through this process of making it and taking it out into the world is that I never want to make a niche movie again. Um, I really want to make movies that are mass appeal, yeah. that everybody can enjoy, that um, if it is a more niche uh, category, like let's say Christian, then I want it to be where all Christians can like it. Yeah, You know, from Catholic to Protestant to, you know, American Christian to to South American Christian, you know, like whatever, like everybody can be like, yep, this is a film that we, it's very general audience, yeah. even if it's in a specific niche group. Um, but really, I don't even really want to make it that niche. I really yeah. like general, across the board, everybody can enjoy this movie. Yeah. Blockbuster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, obviously. Blockbuster, meaning that it busted the block and was a smashing hit. That would be great. Uh, but even if it isn't that big of a hit, just at least something that like everybody can enjoy. Yeah. Um, 
I think um, another thing would be I don't think I would actually probably go out and make another documentary. I wouldn't be like opposed to it, but I think the uncertainty of not being able to say at the very beginning, here is our script and here is our story, like that is really, um, that's a very stressful experience to go through. Yeah. Of things not going the way you want them to. Um, and, And there's just an element to where like, True stories are great, but that's why whenever you like have a movie that's made based off of a true story, that's what they say, based yeah. off of it, because they change things to make them more dramatic and interesting. Yeah. And I think that's a part that like the freedom that you get with a fictional movie is that you can write the character however yeah. you want them to yeah. be. You know, and if the actor isn't playing them the way you want them to, you tell them and then yeah. they play it that differently. Yeah. yeah, I mean you are you are a storyteller and documentaries are not necessarily telling it your story you know like right. you're documenting someone else's story yeah and i think that's the hard thing is that you want to i mean yeah i want total control you want total control which yeah. is okay i mean that's the whole point yeah and yeah documentaries just like that so. yeah so i think those are probably the two big takeaways i mean i'm really glad we made it i would make i would invest the money again i would do it again um i feel like it was a great education i didn't go to um like a formal film school out in LA or anything like that. So I felt like this was kind of my film school experience. Uh, but, um, you know, as a filmmaker, it's like, I know going out, like next thing I'd want to do is fiction. And then I'd also want to make it more general appeal to where everybody can enjoy it. And because I, I also realized through the process, like for me, I didn't get in for this for the money didn't even really get into it just for the sake of being able to like mess with cameras or the technology. Um, and I didn't even get into it just so I can like work with my friends or like all those things are definitely things I like, obviously. Um, it's nice to get paid on the next film. It'd be great to get paid for it instead of, um, paying myself for the film. Uh, but, uh, what I really got into is, is I wanted to tell stories that impact people in some way in some emotional way yeah it doesn't even have to be like dramatic it doesn't have to be like oh man i'm so inspired now or oh my eyes are open it can be like man i laughed so good for an hour and a half thank you yeah for entertaining me you know um and uh it's hard to do that with a niche documentary (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just it's hard to get people to if they're not really interested in the subject matter they don't really care that much about the topic it's just like hard to draw emotions out of people yeah. and something like that i mean once again your story subject in a documentary has to be funny or you know if, right. if you want well, if you want to make a comedy yeah exactly yeah and if you want to make something inspiring which is what i kind of originally thought it would be like then they need to break the record you know and then he didn't you know and then that's not drew's fault it's just that that's how it happened you know so um i think there's stuff that i think we still made a great movie i'm still super proud of it but i think like moving forward it's like i i realized through this process and especially after it was done and taking it around to film festivals and screening it with people, like I realized like what I really want out of filmmaking yeah, and like sort of like what my payout is, you know, like, yeah, of course, hopefully I get, I have to get paid to be able to pay my bills. You know, of course I want to work with my friends versus working with my enemies. Yeah. I like technology and film, you know, gear, yeah. you know, like that's fun. Um, but like all, 
all that stuff isn't good enough for me to like do all the work and spend the long hours and deal with all the logistics. For me, it's showing it to the audience and getting their reaction. Yeah. Like getting to experience how the audience feels about the film and like something you made and a story that you came up with out of your brain and like then shared it with the world and see that like it makes them laugh or it makes them cry or it makes them feel more in love with their spouse or whatever, you know, or it makes them think fondly about their parents or whatever the movie does, right? You know, it's like, or, <laughs> uh, you know, then um, it's like that's what I, I yeah. want out of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think that's the clearest sign that you're supposed to be a director. You know, I think that's because I think there are people who truly are passionate about lighting there's people you know making it look good. yeah like that's what they are most satisfied if on the monitor it looks great um an editor if he just knows that he got like the best story out of that putting a story together he knows you know yeah i think there, there are elements of each person where subconsciously or not they're gonna know that they're meant to do that thing and i think your your answer right there is like perfectly why you're making me you're giving me all the feels now, Todd. I mean it's true. Like that's Thanks, a man. great like I don't know of too many people who have the, like that response. You know, when yeah. they think of being a director, they think of like, oh, I like telling stories and all that stuff. That's great. But yeah, at the end of the day, who are you telling that story for? It's for the audience. Yeah. And that's exactly I mean, I bet that's what Spielberg would say. Yeah. You know, like there is uh I mean his whole thing is <laughs> which that Spielberg documentary on HBO, not sure if that made me like him or not. <laughs> I think he might be crazy. But when he said the line, you know, he used to like scaring his sisters and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And he's like, I wanted to make the audience feel what I felt like as a kid when I was scared. You know, like yeah. that's that's what he wanted to bring. Yeah. Like, that's kind of psychotic. But it is that same answer right. where it's, I want them to laugh. I want them to cry. I want them to right. feel. I, I want to conduct this audience. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, yeah. A, that's a good indicator. And, you know, hopefully with this experience of a documentary, we now can, like, be like, all right, that was our boot camp. We've always believed that. And the, even the post-experience, I mean, you had five years, and now this will forever be on our resume, whether or not, you know, it's to our standard. It's our very first one. Like, that's the crazy thing is yeah, you always are going to get better. Like, every person's first thing is not their best thing. That's just it's so rare. Um, unless you damage the whiplash pretty freaking great. But well, but, well, that's the funny thing is he actually made... Um, he made a short, right? He made whiplash as a short. And yeah. he actually made La La Land in college. Okay. As like kind of a short musical with his yeah. friends, and then and he ended up doing some stuff like almost shot for shot. But you watch it, and it's like, wow, that looks like crap. Yeah, yeah. and it's just interesting, you know, that then that ends up getting nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, know? and almost winning. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to close it out, what's some stuff that you learned from your experience personally, like as in, in your filmmaking career, beyond just like the technical stuff, yeah. like like what I was sharing? What is your version? Because I'm curious to hear it. Because like I said, this is a conversation I've always wanted to have. Yeah. And then I just figured we'd do it on the podcast because yeah. why not? I think it helps to have a passion for what you're signing up for. Yeah. I think that was the thing is I didn't know. And so, therefore, I didn't. And also, back then, I just went with the flow, which is right. good. I think in some aspects, it's good to go with flow because it's like, Bilbo, you'll just find yourself on adventures. 
great. Yeah. Um, but like you're not going to put the same effort as you would into something you really, really care about. Yeah. And so if it's something as big and as passionate and um and for me it's not necessarily the project, it's the leader, you know. And so I was willing to do running at full speed because I was willing to follow you. You and I have done other shoots and stuff like that and we do good work on those, but we just are like we want to be doing our things. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to do as much as possible on the things that you want to do. Yeah. So like the next story you would want to do is one that you like really can get behind. Yeah. yeah. And not that you couldn't get behind this story, but like yeah. one that you're like really yeah, passionate about. I mean the about. happiest moments of my life of filmmaking were my stories that I made. Right. You know, whether YouTubes and stuff like that. Like yeah. that was the whole reason I moved down here. Yeah. Because I had that in my back pocket. Yeah. Um, I right, we're to, not hikers. We're not ultra runners. Right. We're like not. I had the same kind of like that's why I got into stand up comedy because I really loved making people laugh. And I always, whenever I was in front of an audience, I would switch and turn into this guy. But then I realized I didn't like being in front of the audience. So, but I still wanted that feeling. Yeah. And so, creating a story or a movie, getting those endorphin rushes from people being like, "This is the best thing. I love this." is truly a remarkable thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's what you kind of learn is, like, you really got to fight for your vision, for your passion, and it's just going to be better when it's from you. Like, that's just the reality. It's the best directors out there. It's the reason why Nolan only really makes his own stuff. Right. You know, he doesn't take someone else's script. He writes his own stuff and yeah. directs it. Yeah. So, and there are directors who, I think... I mean, I think we would be willing to take someone's script if they are willing to give up the vision. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is a director is going to have his complete control, as yeah. you said. So yeah, yeah, I think whoever is directing the movie, in, for films at least, TV yeah. would be different, but for films it's like if they're the director, they need to be the ultimate filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. Over Over the actors, over the screenwriters, over the DPs, over the producers – those and, are those are the best movies. Yeah, when the director is like, it is a Spielberg or a yeah. Christopher Nolan, where they can say, "No, yeah. this is my movie." Yeah, so we're gonna do it this way. Yeah, um, and I think you know, like if you're a writer for Spielberg, I really doubt that you get to tell him, like if he's like, "I don't like this part," you just fix it for him. Yeah, at that point, you're an editor. Yeah, before the movie's made. Well, you know, of, like that's what yeah, you're doing. And you're most like, of the time, writers like once the movie's written, they never. Yeah, they just see anything about it. You yeah. know, they just sell it. That's the whole point. Yeah. So yeah, I think um the really, 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 really important to like if you really I mean, as a director, you have that vision in your head of how the movie's gonna go. So you really need to like shepherd it as much as possible. Because when you compromise, I think like giving Drew and Amy their privacy. Right. As humans, yes, that is the right thing to do. You right. gave them a man and a wife. But they knew what they were signed up for. Right. You know, it was a movie. Like, at the end of the day, as emotionally draining as, you know, as much as a toll it took on them, they were in our world. We weren't in theirs. Yeah. And so with the documentary, you have – you need to try and take as much control as you humanly can because a documentary 
once again, you have no control of the story, but you have control over what is seen. Yeah, the exposure of exactly. the story. Yeah, I mean, really, like if that was a fictional movie, I would have written a scene in there where Drew's in the shower by himself. Yeah. Crying. Yeah. Or obviously disturbed. Yeah. And then he has to come out and sort of save face to his wife, you know, and try to talk through it, you know. And then when the film crew comes in, he has to even deal with that. You know, it's like, but like his most vulnerable moment in that and and his actual real life probably was when he came in, hugged his wife, and then went and took a shower. And as he's standing in the shower by himself, that's when he's dealing with his defeat, his yeah. failure, his yeah. lack of accomplishment, you know. Literally seeing the mud come off him. And, yeah. Yeah, it's just that that washing of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't put him in the shower just to get a ooh, shower scene. Mm. But because that like would be his mo- – yeah. he's even like literally naked. Yeah. Uh, dealing with his yeah. emotions and the his feelings. The most vulnerable. Your eyes are closed underneath water. Like, yeah. shower is the most vulnerable. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, um, yeah, so just going back and, like, n- almost throwing out, <laughs> we were so timid going into it, and now we really do, like, I say we are at a point, even with, like, working with clients and stuff, we'll accommodate them for what their vision is but for the most part getting there like making those choices um we kind of have to put our foot down and just be like i don't know i i I think it's just you gotta be strong mentally and emotionally and not cruel but like you really gotta make sure your vision and that story is the is the most protected thing yeah so your kind of kind of personal takeaways is like future projects you want it to be stuff that like you are in personally very passionate yeah. about. And then on top of that, then making sure that like you let that passion for that project be protected and championed. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's going to be hard choices that you make in a movie that maybe a lot of people are like, I don't know if I would do that. You know, I think yeah. you get so concerned with appeasing everyone that the movie is just kind of meh. Yeah. I think you do have to like go up and down. Right. There does need to be controversy. You know, no matter what, like the Joker, all these people are like, he's worshiping mass hysteria and all this, all these Christian people are coming out about it and they've never even seen the movie. You know, so, (laughs) uh, Harry Potter syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, just realizing that no matter how tired you are or how much work or financial side of things, just make sure it's a good story. Yeah. And then hopefully through the making of that process, that story survives from your head to the screen. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's the, the biggest thing I took away is that filmmaking, you really can't, you really can't, can't you can't compromise. Like yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is like we're just so so you just want to make people like you. Yeah. But you just really need to stick to your guns and yeah. And your word is final and find people who are willing to follow along with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think at this point it made you want to make movies more or less or indifferent? Um, I know when we first got done, we were just like exhausted and didn't yeah. want to do anything. Yeah. But I, I mean, at this point, it was like we filmed it in 2015, I think. So we're almost, 
or for like four years yeah. at this point well, after 2020 it's coming up man well but it was in the summer yeah. yeah um yeah i i yeah i yeah i definitely think it does make me want to like tell stories and, and and film stuff yeah definitely i think uh if someone were to give me money i would totally like yeah. make something yeah 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 i think for me it's a mix i don't think i really have the desire to go out and and fund my own movie again. But I think if I could find investors, I would totally go out and do it. Yeah. But I think like that, that element of like, I don't, I don't, I want to do it the right way. If I can make the next movie the right way and have like investors and, you know, and, and more, you know, more crew, you know, more producers to handle some of those logistical issues, more an AD, you know, like, a more fuller process mm-hmm. versus six people doing 12 people's jobs, you know, on a shoestring budget is like that part. I'm like, eh. yeah, you know, but, and I'm partly because I feel like then it just doesn't turn out as well. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm not like I am lazy and unwilling to do it. It's just that like when you strip away so much so you can go and do it on no money or very little money or your own personal money, then it ends up, being not as good of a product yeah yeah it's like skipping ingredients in a recipe it's like sure you have a meal but it doesn't taste very good yeah and i just want anyone who's listening to this the reality the older we get if you want good things it costs good money yeah like that is just like we grew up with this idea of like you don't need to spend a lot of money for like you know groceries or whatever and so then that carries into like oh you don't really need to spend a lot of money for new tires you can get the cheaper tires like the reality is when you don't spend money like something suffers something like falls through yeah cheaper clothes are going to fall apart quicker like that's just real so if you want to make a movie that's really really good and you have a good vision for it more than likely you're gonna make a lot of money or you know like you spend a lot of money you're gonna spend a lot of money so i mean there's a reason why like um I mean, there's good examples where, like, over-budget movies, like, <laughs> just bomb and fail and all that stuff, which is true. But the highest-grossing movies, like, all of them. Had a really big budget. Had a really big budget. Yeah. Every single one. So the yeah. reality is just, like, you're going to need to spend the money to make yeah. something good. And Yeah, there's definitely a point where you're excessive. Yeah. But just, like, going back to your clothes thing, you know, like, you can buy $20, $15 shoes from Walmart, mm-hmm. but they're going to tear out faster than the $80, $90 shoes. Yeah. Um, sure, you can go spend $2,000 on shoes, and that's a waste of money. Yeah. But there is a difference, though, still between the yeah. $100 shoes and the $10 shoes. Yeah. Yeah, so just, just yeah, budgeting whatever your costs are double it maybe even triple it but yeah doesn't need to be like 10 times over you know right. we could do the appalachian trail um i mean you and i talked about the way that we 100 percent wanted to do it would be like a hundred thousand dollars right yeah because we'd want like good off-road vehicles yeah like four-wheel drive jeeps yeah. with like lift kits exactly. on them so they can go over all these rocks and everything exactly. and then you know like good camp base that we can like yeah yeah so and then good cameras and all that stuff yeah. so obviously a lot of that stuff be rented and i mean so right. we're not thinking about that but 100 that was kind of like our idea of like if we had two and a half months and we were filming this documentary right. hundred thousand dollars and everybody's getting paid 
which if you're in the film industry, that's nothing. Yeah. Like a small, small, small budget movie is like five million. That's like tiny budget movie. Yeah. So yeah, it's just uh yeah, I think it's just realizing like whatever you need, go a little bit beyond that and uh Yeah, and if you don't have those kind of resources then I think you have to do simpler ideas. Yeah. You exactly know? simpler ideas. You know, don't go film a movie that traverses yeah. 13 states yeah you know which is what we did yeah uh you know i i think of that all the time when people come to me with these different shorts ideas you know and it's like this one guy came he was like i have a thousand dollars i can put into the movie it's gonna be a five-day shoot and i was like first of all you can't you, yeah. that's not gonna work yeah. that's not enough money right there i can tell i don't even need to know anything yeah. else you need like at least like probably five thousand dollars about a thousand dollars i was gonna a say a thousand is like a 12 hour day maybe and, and then, it's one location. And then it was a post-apocalyptic movie where there's aliens or some kind of monsters invading. And it's like these two, these two, this like ex-boyfriend and girlfriend, and they just happen to be like in the same house together, like when they're trying to escape the destruction. And then they end up like pairing up together to try to like get to the safe zone. But then it's like dealing with their relationship and stuff. And it's like there's like at one point like a highway scene where there's crashed cars everywhere. They actually get in a car accident. There's police sirens like i said there's like destroyed you know destruction type area that they're going around at the beginning inside the house um the at one point they encounter like military guys and i'm like just dressing two guys in military garb to make them look real is going to be like three to five hundred dollars per guy probably to like get the right gears the right like guns the right you know yeah because it needs to look good yeah, because otherwise it's going to yeah. look fake, yeah. and then it's going to look cheesy, and then yeah. everybody's going to... Because we all know what the military looks like, yeah. because we've been at war somewhere yeah. in our entire lives, pretty much, so we've all seen what the so- soldier looks like, yeah. you know? So it's like, that's not what a soldier looks like, you know? Uh, so it was just like... And I, the and tips was, of the guns are still orange. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I got a thousand bucks, and he was like proud of the fact that he had a thousand dollars, and I was like... You need like ten grand yeah. at best. At best for one scene to make that movie. Yeah, for a highway scene alone. Yeah. You know, I was like, even if you park all of our cars and we yeah. borrow people's cars and we just put the doors open, you know, and like, you still like, yeah, you know, like that's still you gotta find people. And you, if you're borrowing people's cars and they're standing around, then they're gonna want some of your pizza yeah. that you're getting, which means yeah. you're gonna need more food budget, you know. So, um, I think. It's like that idea is not feasible. Yeah. And then But like an idea of just two people locked inside of a storage room right. because yeah. they are both working there and they just broke up and they accidentally locked themselves in and they have to wait all night until the next person comes in at eight o'clock and they have to deal with their relationship as they're stuck inside the storage, you know, room of the grocery store or convenience store. You could do that for a thousand dollars because it's one day of shooting in one location yeah. with two people in a convenience store that pretty much is already going to be dressed if you just find somebody who will yeah. let you rent their convenience store overnight. Because once again, that just goes back to you're not taking away from the story. The story is about that relationship couple. Right. It's just in a different scenario. Yeah. So if that story is good, that will be a great little short. Right. Because that's what at the heart of it matters. Right. If not, I mean... You think of uh, warm bodies where it was this zombie who falls in love, you know? Yeah, right. And it's like, I'm sure they were hoping that it would be a huge success and all that stuff. But, like, you could have that exact same story, but it's Slumdog Millionaire, you know, different yeah. class system, or, you know, or she's the 
the principal's daughter and right. the, yeah, it could be anything. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like fun premises does not equal good movie. Yeah. It is all about the good story right. telling. And, and like you just pointed out, like you can if you realize what you need to fall in love with with your story is the story. Yeah. And the and the the relationship between those two people. And the part of that story that if you took those people out of it, it wouldn't be the same story anymore. Yeah. And then the context of where that story takes place or how that story develops or what happens to those characters to compel the story forward, well, that part can be scaled up or scaled down based off of how much money you have. Yeah. Just like the example we just gave. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. And now, granted, like, if you have a documentary about a guy running through the running the Appalachian Trail, there's no way to scale that up or down because yeah. it's a documentary. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, use your surroundings. But, I uh, When I made Alone, that like post-apocalyptic world, I lived up in Illinois, and when all the corn is gone, you know, everything's been shaped down. It looks post-apocalyptic because you're just having like hundreds of miles, you know, of just flat, no trees, nothing. And so using those scenes, and you get the idea of like being alone. Like just vast shots of yeah, and that was free. We shot that whole right. thing, no money. You know, I had the equipment. My friends helped me, and um, and it was a great first step. Like more and more, we learn how to do stuff. Yeah, I just I think um, well, in the style of how you shot it, it was like a a guy filming himself. Right, it was think Even of the- yeah, think of The Martian where Matt Damon's like talking to the camera. Like, that was essentially what it was. Yeah. With little clips of me in abandoned areas. Which yeah. Which super easy. You're right. Fine. And to be honest, the best parts of it are when you're just talking to the camera. Yeah. So you could have even just skipped all the abandoned parts and just had it be you talking. Because the whole idea is you, like, locked yourself in kind of your basement. Yeah. And you're living off those supplies as long as you can. Kind yeah, of. yeah. I never, like, explain what, what it is. It's yeah. more of, like what it feels like to be alone. Yeah, the, the to, whole world is now exactly. dead from whatever it is, and you're the only one left. Exactly. So, Don't you end up committing suicide in the end? No, no, uh, the, like, monsters or whatever, oh, the they world, come, like, open the door. Gotcha. So there's, I would probably go back and change some things, but the core, like, premise of, like... The story. Story. <laughs> is was, a good one. Yeah, I mean, it Which was is essentially like cast away. Right, but, how, how does a person deal with being alone? Exactly. And almost, like, is it worth... Like, it, what is the... At, at the end of the day, like people matter, like right, connection right. and right. like, like life. To... Life isn't life if you don't yeah. have people to yeah. rela- to be share it with. Yeah, yeah. And that could have easily, yeah, okay. it was. It is Castaway. Yeah, and it's not really the Martian, but kind of a little bit of the Martian in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Martian's like about survival, right. which I think this was a little bit about it. But yeah, my my core when I was making it was ultimately what it's like to be alone, and I could have done it. Anyway, you know, yeah. there's a lot of different fun aspects of doing that. So, but like, I didn't dive into the history of the zombies, right. or, you know, like, because that's not necessary to the story. Yeah. So, I think at the end of the day, like, if you have a premise, your premise should not overpower everything else. Yeah. Like, like when they made Star Wars, I'm sure George Lucas wasn't like, I, I gotta have space. I gotta have space. You know, his story was probably like, all right, what's the hero's journey? Let's make a like a a modern day epic. You know. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to make like a spaghetti western in space. In space. <laughs> but uh, but I think though, 
going. I mean, he is a huge um, Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. like student, and I think he would still one hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Yeah, that he was like, no, I want the context to be in space, and yeah. I'm going to go and find the money to make it in space. Yeah. But when you think about Star Wars, you could take the Star Wars characters and you could put them in a Lord of the Rings type mm-hmm. setting. You could put them in a like steampunk futuristic world setting. You could take them and put them in a post-apocalyptic world. You could yeah. put them in Hunger Game type world. I mean, you could move those characters around yeah. and Han Solo would still be Han Solo. Yeah. Well, and I think know, that's and why- Luke like, would still be this farm yeah. boy. The idea of this like innocent farm boy who wants to take on the evil yeah. government, evil yeah. authority- I yeah, mean, that's and, a classic story. Yeah, and the new Star Wars, the Disney Star Wars, whether you like them or not, the reality is they're just kind of a copy and paste of the original trilogy, you know, to the fact that they had a Death Star, but it's a Death Planet. You know, yeah. like, like they're, it just is not... Right, well, and what the, if you think about it, what they're copying and pasting is the circumstances. Right, yeah, and that's why I was yeah, trying like to say. Yeah, yeah, the actions. Yeah, and so, like, the heart of it just feels hollow. Because the story's because not there. it's, yeah, it's the context of... of yeah, yeah, I read an article a couple of days ago where somebody was saying, like, they're like, I am going to be honest, he's like, I'm going to go see the new one. Right. But he's like, I don't really care about it. Like, I'm this is the least excited I've ever been about a Star Wars movie. And he's like, and the problem is, he's like, I just don't care yeah. about the characters. Yeah. He's like, I'm just... Like I don't really care who's Ray, yeah. who Ray's parents are. Because once again, you get rid of all those, and it doesn't change the fact. You get rid of the original trilogy; it changes the whole dynamics of all the Star Wars. Yeah. You get rid of these new ones; it doesn't change anything. Well, and same because thing. Luke, at the end of the day, they won. They beat the Death Star, you know, and the Empire is destroyed, and this whole new order. Like, sure, like that's how life is. You know, there'll be a new bad guy or whatever but it's not really a story that well i think some of it is like you could swap out ray and poe and um jj abrams (laughs) i mean you could you could swap out all the main characters and put somebody else in there completely like i'm saying like star wars the new star wars is somewhat suffering from the same things that running at full speed is suffering from which is like why like as filmmakers, Kathleen Kennedy produced our movie. <laughs> uh, how, like, how? Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy produced our movie. Uh, but I wish she had. We would have had a lot more money. Uh, but uh, it's like, at the end of the day, our audience wants a reason to care about Drew and his story yes. and his journey. Yeah. And we as fil- as viewers want to care about Ray and her journey, or Poe and his journey, or whoever you know. Yeah. And I and you know or Superman and the new movies you know and it's like if we don't care about what's happening to them yeah then it's just somebody telling us a sequence of events in the same way that like you know people will, the boring people who tell you about their day are like so then I went and did this and then I went and did this and then I went and did this and you're like I don't yeah. you don't need to retell me your entire schedule yeah you know like uh, what is like what happened yeah not like what happened but like what. What? How did that make you feel? Yeah. Or how did you deal with that? Yeah. Or how did you like you know make me care about these things versus just, I went here and went here and I went yeah. here and went here. now I'm home. Cool, good for you. You know. So I think. Wait, so your transport ships were running out of gas. So what was the plan? Did you tell your crew? <laughs> oh wait, you didn't. <laughs> you waited for them to try and overthrow you, and then you killed yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, Admiral Akbar died off screen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I still wish that they had done 
the how they should. Yes, yeah, it's uh, a trap. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I just that's so disrespectful. To him. So yeah, totally. So anyways, I I think that is a, yeah. a very valid point, and a, and definitely if if that is a lesson that we learned, the time and money and you losing your car and mm-hmm. everything in five years of our lives, you know, spent making it and editing it. It would be totally worth it if yeah. every movie we made moving forward, really everything we made, yeah. like commercials, advertisements, shorts, music videos, movies, whatever. Um, if we are able to realize that, like at the end of the day, our number one goal is to make the audience care, yeah, give them something to care about, yeah, and take them on an emotional journey, where when the main character is sad, they're sad mm-hmm. because they care about that character, right? They care about that person. And and they care about him in a way that like if we like if you swapped out, um, Mr. White, on Breaking Bad, to something else, yeah, it wouldn't be the same show. Oh, or Jesse. I mean, yeah. that's why they didn't fire him, and yeah. like they were planning on you know like they weren't planning. Yeah, they're on gonna him. kill him off in the first season. Yeah, and now he has his own spinoff movie in Netflix, which is great. And it's all because they wrote his character so well yeah. that the audience is like. Dude, this this show is not going to be the same if Jesse yeah. isn't in it. Yeah, you know, and it's like, and I think that's like proof of a great writer. Yeah, that like you can't and Game of Thrones, like in the way that like when they killed off characters, we were devastated because yeah. we can't imagine Game of Thrones without Catelyn's Stark yeah. Stark in it. Yeah, screaming. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like all or all these characters, like they did such a good job of making us care about them, and then they would kill them. Yeah, and that's what made the show huge, huge. You yeah. know, um, so. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we hope you all enjoyed listening to this. Uh, we could probably talk for like five more hours I'm about sure this. we will, too. Yeah. Uh, but we will spare you guys from having to listen. Uh, but thank you, Todd, for talking about this. I enjoyed it. Okay. And of, and most of all, I'm glad we got to make that movie together. Yes. That was probably still, to this day, as traumatizing as it was, probably one of the best experiences of my life. And I think it's definitely been one of the best experiences of our friendship. Yeah. Getting to do that together, sit in the car together. Deal with all those experiences. I mean, you and Helen the ups saw and downs. Probably the worst than me. So you actually were pretty good yeah. until the very, very end. I know. I'm usually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's your worst of you. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but uh, so thanks for coming along when I threw you in the car and said, "Hey, yeah. by the way, we're filming a documentary." Next time, I'll give you a little bit more heads up. Yeah. I I lost a car, people. I lost a, an actual car. And you, I never you, got any money from it. You still can't find it. Can't find it. I don't. It was in Pittsburgh. Where were we? I don't know. You lost it. <laughs> I don't know where you uh, left it. I lost my glasses. So I'm setting up you an Indiegogo. <laughs> Our next documentary is help Todd find his car. <laughs> where did the Todd's car go? It's going to be a four-year journey <laughs> of trying to find. So, anyways, well, we thank you everyone for listening. Tell a friend. Share. Um, we are at. This is episode 33, I think. So wow. That's pretty crazy. 32 or 33, it's something around there. So Look at us go. Look at us go. And, I mean, we're in the fourth digit now. Of viewers? Of viewers. Or of listeners. Of, of, of listens. Of downloads. So, of listens. How many yeah. people view the podcast? Like, where they just look at Consistently. it? Consistently. <laughs> we have, like, I think, like, double digit consistent listeners. Nice. So. Double digits. Double Good. Digits. <laughs> A full 10 people. <laughs> At least. So if we can bump that up, continue to give us ratings, share this podcast on your social network. We would appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.
This has been a Studio Red production. For more, go to studioredmedia.com. Thank you.